Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. Good morning, everybody. Good, dreary, cloudy, possibly rain in the forecast Thursday morning. Glad that you are with me. And I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer today, okay? I know that it's going to sound like it. I know it's going to sound like it. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer today, but I do have one one question, and it's are we overhyping the games this weekend? Everybody around here especially seems really confident in what's going to happen in Tuscaloosa. Are we overhyping the games this weekend? Will they be as competitive as we hope that they are? And also, I've got a scenario that I came up with on the radio show yesterday. Uh, I'm going to talk about it with you guys. Uh, A more likely scenario, and we'll get to that coming up later. By the way, my name is Michael Borky, and welcome in to the live stream, wherever you're watching. So if you're on Twitter, don't forget, Twitter Live will not let you comment. If you want to comment and actually be a part of this, like Zach has this morning, and we'll get to his comment here in a second, you can do that, but you have to do it on either Facebook or YouTube. Uh, Subscribe to my YouTube channel, just Michael Borky on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. If you like what you hear, actually physically like the video. That would help me a ton, algorithms and whatnot. Also, follow on Twitter and Facebook if you don't already. And wherever you get your podcast, Mike in the Morning will do the job. Uh, if you are new to this, which the, the numbers, especially on the podcast, say that you are, um, I will go live on Sunday morning to recap Saturday's games. For the rest of the season, it will be Saturday night. But this, uh, it'll be Sunday morning to recap the weekend's games. I do it every Saturday night. Otherwise, it's a lot of fun. Uh, don't forget to join in on that. I'll start with the comment, though, from Zach. As a testament to the drama getting the clicks, yesterday's video has more use on YouTube than any from the past two weeks, though that could also be some of the Twitter population moving over. Yeah, it's almost like uh, people trying to get clicks help me get clicks. It's amazing, isn't it? Just people helping people in this business, I uh, I guess. We talked about it some on the radio show. Didn't dive into uh, really what I was hoping for uh, yesterday, so I'm glad we, we got to do that here in terms of, like, the network and its coverage of college football and where they're failing. I wanted to get to that yesterday on the show. We did not. Um, We derailed the conversation quickly. I say we. The conversation was derailed quickly when it was brought up that almost everybody in America would trade their coaches uh, for Lane Kiffin, almost everybody, including Mississippi State. And then, you know, it just it it went from there. and also, no, even Vandy has a good competitive game this weekend, Zach says. Yeah, they're two touchdown favorites, is Vanderbilt. Um, it, everybody at that game, every single person that goes to that game should not have to pay taxes this year. I mean, that is a a Pelican... Or excuse me, I'm reading Chris's comment while I'm also talking. That was bizarre, but... Um, that is like a punishment, having to go watch Vanderbilt and UConn play football this weekend. They should be rewarded somehow. Like, 
not having to pay their taxes, like, um, you know, getting their mortgage paid for for a month, something like that. The people, the few thousand, like three to four thousand people that actually go to that game should get something paid for for them for suffering through an undue prison sentence, which is watching that game. For sure. Chris says, are the Pelicans looking to leave New Orleans? Got a notification that they were working on a plan to try and stay. So um, it's actually, I didn't know if it would be worth talking about on here or not as far as uh, the, the story that broke last night. Jeff Duncan has, has been the lead on it. Uh, the future of the franchises in New Orleans when Gail Benson uh, passes away. I mean, apparently she's in great health, but you know she's in her 70s and it's a, a thing that they have to consider. She has no heirs. So what are they going to do with the teams? They've devised a plan. So the teams are not moving while she's alive. Neither one of them at all. Like it's it's not happening. Simply will not happen. She will not allow that to happen. Apparently the secession plan, when she inevitably passes, hopefully decades from now, whenever that may be, um, they have appointed somebody, uh, basically her president, if you will, to, yes, she does own both, um, to oversee the sale of both teams and a contingency on the sale will be to keep them in the city. So even after she passes, um, who, whoever buys the team will have to agree to keep the saints and the Pelicans in the city of new Orleans. That's a contingency upon purchase. And the cool thing is the billions of dollars that will be earned when they sell the teams will be distributed to various charities or or projects within the city of New Orleans and the surrounding areas. Uh, so billions of dollars will be injected into the city where it needs them the most. Uh, uh, I imagine some of those are going to be released in like the next couple of articles that they've got coming out on this, but um, it, it's going to be pretty it, that's pretty awesome to inject billions of dollars back into the city that will be earned upon the sale of those teams after she passes. That's pretty special. So um, the contingency will be, if you buy these teams, you have to keep them in the city. And uh, somebody will be overseeing that to make sure it goes down exactly exactly like that. So, uh, no, as long as she's alive, there's no shot the team is moving. I mean, maybe the future owners can get out of that contingency or whatever, but the team is going to stay in the city Forever, it appears, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, That's pretty cool. I mean, a a billionaire just take all of this money and help people that that need it within this city. And if they sold the teams right now, it would be a few billion dollars, right? An NFL team goes for multiple billion dollars at the moment. And the basketball team is worth north of a billion, I'd bet, with the TV contracts and stuff like that. Even in a small market like New Orleans, it, it, it would just be stupid money. So that was really cool to uh, to see and read last night. After she passes, guaranteeing this team stay in the city and also injecting billions back into the city. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Williams says, NBA, man, get back to football. <laughs> hey, in fairness, I was asked. In fairness. But, uh, yeah, that is uh, that is pretty cool. Spent the day yesterday, the afternoon anyway, at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Now, the tournament wasn't going on. It was still practice round day. But 
Uh, always love being out there. They're not paying me to say this. Like nobody pays me to say anything on this stream. I don't get paid for this. This is all me, right? In fact, I actually lose money on this stream right now. But it, semantics. Um, it's actually really cool. If you live in the area, especially Sunday, the final round, and college football is not going on on Sunday, obviously. But if you're an NFL fan, they will have a couple of uh, video boards with the Saints on the video boards during the tournament. So if you want to check in on football, you can do that. If you're a sports fan, honestly, it's a really well done event. It's easy to get to. Uh, you have to you park at the mall and they'll shuttle you in and drop you off right at the course. It's an easy course as a spectator because the layouts like, for example, there you have 18 alongside one, alongside nine, alongside 10. So you barely have to walk and you see four holes right there. Um, and you can walk right up on the players and follow them and you can hear the conversations with caddies. I mean, you are right there on the action. And even if you're not a golf fan, seeing these people in person where you're right on them. It's not like the Masters, right, where you have to stand on a 12-deep crowd to hopefully see the top of the club as he's swinging. No, you can walk right up on these guys. And it's it's really well done and really cool. And the PGA Tour being in our backyard is awesome. Uh, I really enjoy the event. My wife, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't watch golf, uh, loves going out there. It's just different. The weather should be good, hopefully. And you see how talented these guys really are. And, you know, they've got your beverage of choice set up all over the place and you can check in on football. So I, I would encourage you if you're a sports fan in the area, tickets are extremely cheap, like very inexpensive. And you can see really good golf at a really cool venue right in our backyard. They're not paying me for that. That is genuinely, truly how I feel. If you can go to the event, I would encourage you to go because it's a lot of fun and it's really well done. And you can get right up on these guys without having to fight through crowds like you have to at like the U.S. Open. It's it's not like that out there. Very low key, very relaxed. If you've got a young child, especially, uh, you know, you don't they don't have to try to look through people's legs and stuff to see. I mean, they can be right there on the guys, and the players are really interactive with the fans there as well. Uh, I remember two years ago, Bill Haas was. Uh, being followed. So Bill Haas went to Wake Forest and there were a, a father and son there that were wearing Wake gear. So, you know, Wake Forest fans or whatever. And Bill was talking to him the entire, talking to them the entire time was giving kids, you know, balls and stuff and signing things. And during the round, he was asking them for football score updates. It was pretty cool. Uh, it just, it's an access tournament, isn't it? I, I don't know what you mean by that, honestly. Um, I don't know what you mean. Rephrase that if you don't mind. Because I, I I would love anybody to go. And I'll be out there Sunday. So if you see me, stop me if you're there. But anyway, all right. Uh, enough wasting time. The question for the video today is, are we overhyping this weekend? I brought this up on the radio show yesterday because I truly believe this as well. Arkansas and Ole Miss winning would be great for college football. I Truly, I think Arkansas and Ole Miss winning these games would be great for college football. Honestly, there's Bama fatigue. Alabama's not interesting anymore. It's the greatest program, the greatest coach, all that. 
It's a system that I admire. It's special what Nick Saban is doing there. And there are some people that have suggested that Alabama is the reason why they're winning. No, Nick Saban is the reason why Alabama is winning. Look at what they've done before he got there. How inconsistent. Yes, they've had high-level success, but how inconsistent that was. The consistency of Nick Saban is remarkable. I mean, greatest coach to ever live in college football. His resume speaks for itself. But they're boring. And the rest of the country is kind of sick of it. Even Georgia. Now they haven't won a championship yet. But Georgia's not a fun story. Kirby Smart, with all due respect, is not a fun story. I mean, they're signing a bunch of five stars because they have the ability to do so compared to some places that do not have the ability to do what it takes to get those players. It's not a fun story. It's just Georgia. Football power doing football power things, although they haven't won a championship in 40. This will be 41 years if they don't get it done this year. It's kind of just dull, boring. The Sam Pittman story is a great one. It's a great one. Everybody, and I've heard some people lately talking about how the national media made fun of Sam Pittman and look at him now. Well, everybody did. Everybody made fun of the Sam Pittman hire, myself included. Myself included. I thought it was a joke when they swung and missed on Lane Kiffin and then they go to the offensive line coach from Georgia who has this goofy yes sir thing. I was like, good luck. Your roster's a disaster. This guy's never been a head coach before. Good luck in the SEC West. Good luck. This isn't going to work. And joke's on me because look at what happened. Look at what happened. He's a great story. Uh, Yeah, Chris, it used to be an alternate event. It is not anymore. It's a standalone. The winner gets a master's invite. The purse is much bigger, all that stuff. Yeah, it used to be an alternate event, not anymore. Uh, So that's why the field's much better. you got seven players in the top 50, major champions. Uh, you got master's champions, U.S. Open champions. I mean, it's a good, it's a really, really, really good field. Uh, the best it's been since I've lived here, no doubt. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm glad you're interested, man. I, I'm, I love talking about it. I know it's football season, but it's a really cool event, and and people should embrace it because uh, it's it's really well done. Anyway, um, the Sam Pittman story is a great one. He was a goofy hire that everybody made fun of, myself included. Jokes on everybody because all he did was hire great assistants and get the hell out of their way. That's what Nick Saban does. Saban's got a process and a system, but he hires good coaches and they coach and then they win. I admire that about um, about Sam Pittman. He recognizes great coaches and is humble enough to allow them to do their thing. He he gets the team to buy in. He's he's the motivator. He's the organizer. And Barry Odom runs the defense. Sam Pittman is the lead recruiter. He's the guy. But Kendall Bryles runs the offense. It's a system that's been proven to work if you've got everything else that Sam Pittman clearly has brought to the table. I think this is sustainable for him. I do. You know, it worked for Ed Orgeron for one year, and it hasn't gone well since, but I think they're different guys. Sam Pittman's a good story. It's a great story. Him going into Athens and winning is great for college football. Lane Kiffin's a good story, too, for different reasons. He has the arc of a country song in reverse. He went from the NFL to Florida Atlantic, you know? You're supposed to go from Florida Atlantic to Southern Cal, Tennessee, and the NFL. He did it 
in reverse, he's got a great character arc. He went from this hot shot young coach getting a job he probably didn't deserve with the Raiders, it not going well, him getting fired, taking the Tennessee job, taking them to a bowl game in year one, then getting his dream offer, Southern Cal, taking it, although they're under heavy sanctions. He can only sign like 15 players a year. Wins, not enough, gets fired on an airport tarmac. Airport tarmac he gets fired on. Then he goes to Alabama for the Nick Saban School of Coaching Rehab. And while they won championships, and he changed the way Saban approached offense, and Saban has said it multiple times in the past, they wouldn't be as good in doing what they're doing offensively without him hiring Lane Kiffin. That's credit to Nick Saban for recognizing, one, the play-calling ability of Lane Kiffin, and two, his necessity to adapt to modern college football. A lot of credit is due there for both of those guys for pulling that off. But he goes to Alabama, and while they're winning, and he's calling great offenses and Heisman trophies and national championships, the only thing that people really remember him there from is getting yelled at on the sidelines by Saban. Then he goes to Florida Atlantic, where nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, my gosh, it can't get 3,000 people to go to games there. Nobody there cares. There's too much to do in Boca. And now he gets his redemption shot in major college football back in the SEC. And then you got the Twitter presence and all that stuff. I mean, he's he's a compelling story. Him taking his team into Tuscaloosa in year two and winning is great for college football, regardless of what Mike Wilbon says. He's full of crap. Anybody that's not a state fan, and even we heard from some state fans yesterday that actually believe this as well, Ole Miss beating Alabama is better for college football than Alabama beating Ole Miss because they, they do it all the time. They, they beat everybody. It's boring. I want those games to happen that way. I want Arkansas to go into Athens and beat Georgia. I, I want that because that's a more fun story. I can sit here with you guys on Sunday morning, and, and it's fun to talk about. Sam Pittman, yes, sir. That goofy offensive line coach from Georgia taking his team in year two, a roster that was just depleted of talent into Athens and beating his former employer is a great story. Lane Kiffin being the first Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban is a great story. Matt Corral's a good story. He went from punk kid getting in fights with Wayne Gretzky's son and having to transfer because it was covered by TMZ uh, just a, a typical like high school scuffle was covered by TMZ because it's Gretzky's kid. Um, you know, was committed to Florida. Mullen doesn't want him. Has to go to Old Miss. Longo leaves, and then Matt Luke and Richrod run that garbage offense, and he's riding the bench behind what is now a backup wide receiver. He's going to transfer, but Luke gets fired, and they bring in Lane Kiffin, and boom, he's a Heisman contender. He's got a great story arc as well. That would be great for college football. But is it actually possible? That's what I'm wrestling with. Yesterday, I said on the radio show, uh, I said kind of this exact thing. Are people too confident? Because every Ole Miss fan I've talked to is like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to Tuscaloosa and winning. It's like, well, hold on now. <laughs> Are you sure? Um. 
And, and don't get me wrong, I think it's possible. I think it's far more likely that Ole Miss beats Alabama than Arkansas beats Georgia. Because I think Arkansas is going to try to play a similar game uh, that Georgia does. And when you're playing a similar style where Arkansas has won games this year by physicality, explosiveness matched in, but mostly by controlling the lines of scrimmage and being physical, that's how Georgia's won games this year, and they have more talent than you. So I, I just I don't see a scenario in which Arkansas is going to go there and win, as much as I would want that to happen. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I don't see that happening. I can see a scenario in which Ole Miss goes to Tuscaloosa and wins, mostly because of quarterback play. When you've got a quarterback that is this good, you can beat anybody. Quarterback play drives everything. Um, but all I will say about this, and then I'll, I'll get to Sam's comment, which is a good one, Sam and uh, and Sterling as well. Um, all I will say is this. If you're an Ole Miss fan listening to this and they lose the game, it's not the end of the world. And I know mo- most everybody that I've talked to has that perspective, but there's a scenario in which you don't win the game and you're still way ahead of schedule. I mean, the only way that I will really question Ole Miss and, and all that is if they get beat like 52-7. to seven. Then I've got a lot of questions. But if it's a game in which they score and they play well and Alabama just has too much, you're still way ahead of schedule 14 games into the Kiffin tenure at Ole Miss. Way ahead of schedule. Even being competitive in this game means you are way ahead of schedule. So don't let that confidence turn to disappointment if your team plays well and loses, I guess is what I'll say. And I feel like most of you guys have that perspective. But if you don't, if you think that, you know, if they go in there and lose and you're mad, I would encourage you not to be. Because, again, if they go there and they play well and they don't win the game, you're still way ahead of schedule. Because while the defense is improved, there are still limitations. I still expect them to get scored on by a lot of teams. I say a lot. The SEC kind of looks like trash, honestly. Um, I think Alabama will score on them. not the way they did a year ago, but I think Alabama will have success against this Ole Miss defense. Arkansas might have success against this Ole Miss defense. The rest of the schedule is kind of trash, if we're being totally honest. I mean, Auburn, God, have you watched Auburn play this year? Uh, Texas A&M can't score on Madison Central High School. Uh, Tennessee is awful. So, you know, it gets a little bit easier. But I don't think this defense talent-wise, is ready yet to stop Alabama, if that makes sense. They're better. They're clearly better, regardless of what happens on Saturday. I don't think they're ready, though, to stop Alabama. So if they can't, don't be disappointed. Because it's not the best measuring stick for your defense yet, only being year two in. I mean, you're 14 games removed from having the second-worst defense in SEC football history. You're 14 games removed from that. This was always going to take time to become a, a defense that can stop a, a, an offensive program like Alabama. It's just not there yet, and that's okay. That's okay. So I think there's a shot with Ole Miss. I don't think there's one with Arkansas. Um, just don't let that confidence turn into disappointment if your team plays well and loses, because that would be an accomplishment in and of itself. I know there's not supposed to be anything, any such thing as moral victories in the SEC when you're 14 games in to a complete, needed, 
overhaul on one side of the ball and you're competitive with the best team in the nation, you should be satisfied with that result. Kiffin won't be because he wasn't last year, like he said, but you should be. Sterling says, I don't think we are overhyping the uh, the games this weekend. Seeing that the TV folks invoke their one-time-per-season six-day clause to decide on time slots for next week's shows, that there's a lot on the line this week. Um, I do think if if Auburn loses, if Auburn loses in Baton Rouge Saturday night, and they don't put the 230 game for Ole Miss and Arkansas and make that a morning kick, they're making a mistake. I mean, you know, Georgia attracts more fans, I guess, and it's the deep south's oldest rivalry or whatever. But a two-loss Auburn team, that should be a three-loss Auburn team if the SEC officials got their heads out of their, you know what, um, that's not compelling at all. Arkansas Ole Miss is compelling. That should be at 230. Sam says, what would be successful losses for Ole Miss and Arkansas this weekend? Or is there such a thing? If you don't want to make waves in the West, there has to be more pressure on Arkansas, I would think. Or if you want to make waves in the West, there has to be more pressure on Arkansas. It's a good question. Um, some people don't like this, and I, I understand. You want your team to win, and wins are all that matters. Kiffin doesn't like this. Sam Pittman won't like this. Um, it's getting multiple stops in the game. For def- for Ole Miss's defense, they only did not allow like 47 yards to Alabama last year. Alabama gained every possible yard they could have with the exception of like 47 and, I mean, that, that's hard to fathom how bad that is. Getting multiple stops. If they can keep Alabama, seriously, I know this is going to sound crazy. If they can keep Alabama in the 30s or even the 40s, you have clearly improved. Clearly have improved. On the road, keeping Alabama in check. If they score 42 points, it means you stop them multiple times. That sounds crazy, but remember what they did last year. Um. I think quite simply, Sam, it's going there and being competitive, The game, it being a game, a close game in the fourth quarter. Uh, for Matt Corral, it's not turning the football over multiple times. It's playing within yourself. The defense getting stops for Ole Miss, multiple stops in the game against Alabama. Uh, that's really what it is. Moral victory should not be a thing. But, again, if Ole Miss goes in there and they lose 42-35, as long as Matt Corral didn't throw six interceptions again, you should feel really, really, really good. Really good about your team. Really good. Um, that would be a successful weekend. Being competitive. That's it. Just in the fourth quarter where people are still watching because the game is close. If that is the case, it was a successful weekend. I I don't buy the no moral victories thing when you are in game 14 after you had to fire Matt Luke and after you had to fire Chad Morris. Those rosters were not ready to go to these games and win. And if they do, we're having a very interesting conversation on Sunday, and it involves the college football playoff. But if they don't, it's not a big deal, as long as they look competent and competitive. Again, if it's like 52-7 to or whatever, there's problems. But if it's close, and there's just and Alabama and Georgia are just too much, you should feel really good about these teams. Sterling says, it isn't just Ole Miss people who are confident. I've been surprised with how many national people have openly chosen Ole Miss to win, which always makes me less confident. It just feels different. And I hate when people compare years past on both sides. Well, Ole Miss went in there in 2015 and beat them. They did. 
And look at the personnel Ole Miss had on defense in 2015. On top of that, nobody on the field Saturday was on the field then. And then also the other side. Well, Ole Miss in 2012 or whatever went to Tuscaloosa and got beat by this amount. Or was it 2013? It was 13, right? Um, So what? I, I never look at, well, this team's only won one time in this stadium since 1892. That doesn't matter. What are the teams right now? What are the teams today? Um, that's mostly driven by quarterback play. It's That's driven by quarterback play. When you've got a guy as talented as Matt Corral at quarterback, people, the national pundits, whoever it may be, will think you have a chance to win every single game you play. And you do. We saw it a year ago. Yes, they went 5-5, five and five, but they were in every single game they played with, again, the second-worst defense in SEC football history because they have elite quarterback play and great play calling to accompany elite quarterback play. That's mostly where that's coming from. I don't think it's undue. I mean, I get why people are picking Ole Miss in this game. I'm just not I, – I, I don't think it's fair to expect them to win this game because I know the – what the roster was when they took it over. And I know that it's not there yet, especially on defense in depth of talent. It's not there yet. There's a reason they're running a three, two, six. Cause they don't have enough defensive linemen to really to, to do that. They don't have enough linebackers to do that. And they're better in the secondary. That's their best position group is the, the defensive backs, their deepest position group. But if you look at the two deep or three deep, if you will, the depth chart, that's not an SEC defense top to bottom. Not yet. So expecting them to go to Tuscaloosa in winning, I don't think that's really fair to Kiffin or the team or, or expectations of the program. I don't think that's fair. And I would say the same thing about Mississippi State when they play Alabama. It's not fair to expect Mike Leach in year two to go to, to host Alabama and win. It's not fair. But that's not an expectation that you should have. And I'm not going to sit here and say if they lose, it's a bad thing. Because the roster... 14 games in, it's not ready for that. But if they do win, just think about this for a second. If they win, they can lose down the stretch and still make the college football playoff. Because if they happen to win on Saturday, if they happen to win, they will be a favorite in every game remaining on their schedule. And they would have to lose twice to not go to the SEC championship. And are you really, I mean, I mean, look at the state of college football. A team in the SEC championship is a, a playoff team. At least it should be. That's the conversation we're having on Sunday morning right here. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Michael Borky on YouTube. That's the conversation we're having on Sunday morning if Ole Miss wins. If Arkansas wins, that's the conversation we're having on Sunday. College football playoff. That's a real conversation. Not hyperbole, nothing. That's the conversation we're having, if they're able to pull this off. I'm just not ready to say that they should be able to. That's why I keep saying it's a free shot. Because you should not be competitive in this game. And if you are, it's a hell of a coaching job. But going into their tenure, going into their tenure, both Pittman and I would say this about Leach and Drinkwitz as well, but going into Kiffin's tenure, 14 games into it, I would have laughed at you. Like I said yesterday, I think I would have laughed at you if you would have told me they're going to be ranked number 11 
and beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I would have laughed at you. No shot in hell. No shot in hell. I just want to go back to the Sugar Bowl, Patrick says. It's a chance to do that, even if you lose Saturday. There's a chance to do that. I think the Arkansas game, with how both of those teams are playing and how the rest of the West looks, I think the Arkansas game will kind of be a decider for uh, for the Sugar Bowl. Because Georgia's going to beat Florida. Florida's going to lose again, uh, possibly twice more. Uh, I think the winner of that game will go to the Sugar Bowl. So there's still a chance, even if you lose on Saturday. Chris is asking, does he have an interception this year? No, he does not. But that wasn't his issue last year. It wasn't interceptions every game. It was two games with 11 interceptions. You know? Uh, I mean, he was excellent for eight of the 10 games last year. He was elite. One of the best quarterbacks in America for eight of their 10 games. It was just those two. And they haven't really been challenged yet. The way that Alabama will challenge them. It's a huge game for him. He's got to stay within himself. He's got to stay within himself and just take what the defense gives him. Throw the football away if you have to. Tuck it and run if you have to. Throw to checkdowns if you have to. Don't force it into windows that aren't there. You don't have to do that in this game. You don't have to. Williams says, keep Bama between 34 and 44 points. Ole Miss has a good chance of winning. I agree. That's all the defense has to do. If Ole Miss, what was the final score last year? Ole Miss... Emma 2020. If, if Ole Miss held Alabama to 44 points last year, they would have won the game. They would have won the game if they held Alabama to 44 points last year. Which is actually bigger for Arkansas and Ole Miss. This weekend's games are the Arkansas-Ole Miss matchup. I think it's the next weekend. I think that's truly bigger for both of these programs is next weekend. Because like I've been saying, it's... It's not fair to expect the programs where they were when these coaches took over one COVID season in four games into year two to expect them to win this game. That's not fair. It's really not. But you can expect them to beat each other. I think the Arkansas game for Ole Miss and the Ole Miss game for Arkansas is more of a measuring stick and more of an indication of where you are in the pecking order than this weekend to me. So, yeah, I think next weekend is more important to win than this weekend, if that makes sense. Sterling says, 44-38 Ole Miss. See you Sunday. Yes, sir. Um, 7.30, 8 o'clock Sunday morning is what I'll shoot for after the little guy wakes up, and uh, I'll do this and then hop on over to the golf tournament. Williams says, forget playoff. I just want an SEC championship appearance. Well, if you get one of those, I think you'll get them both. He's handling pressure and covered routes a lot better. Yes, he is. That That is a fact. Regardless of how good the defenses have been that he has seen, which is not very good, he is absolutely handling decision-making under duress much better and not just forcing the ball down the field when it's not there. Uh, he hasn't done that at all. That's why Dontario Drummond's had such a great season, and so far anyway, and why Braylon Sanders has kind of been an afterthought. Because defenses are taking Braylon Sanders away. You're not beating us, they're saying, over the top. You're not going to do it. Throw it underneath, fine. I'm not letting you score a 75-yard one-play touchdown. It's not happening. So they've taken Braylon Sanders away, which has allowed for Dontario Drummond and the running backs as well have been involved in the past game. I think Ja'Core Pearson's going to be more involved in the offense moving forward as the defenses get better and they are more able to continue to take the deep ball away. The underneath stuff is going to be there. You have to pick your poison with this offense. You're not going to stop this offense. You have to pick 
which one you want to stop. So far, he has shown you that if you pick over the top, I will be patient enough to take what's given to me. Will he do that in front of 100,000 people in a game like this on Saturday? If he does, top five draft pick going to New York for the Heisman ceremony. It's that simple. Chris says, is Kiffin a quarterback coach, or do they have someone on staff? Yes, he, it's it's him. him. Him and Levy both uh, handle that. I don't know who has the official title, but it's the two of them. Um, more so Kiffin, though, obviously, uh, considering his pedigree and his background. But Le- Levy's also heavily involved in it. Um, and you see both of their influences in the offense. So it's not just... People incorrectly say that this is Lane Kiffin's offense. It is, but there's some Levy influence. No doubt. Um, their combination, their meshing of the minds has been pretty damn special. Um, it's been really good. We'll see how good on Saturday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is uh, It's been fun this morning. I uh, I will be out again at the Sanderson this afternoon with the radio show. I, uh, I did take a picture with the trophy, by the way. Somebody told me that I was brave for putting this picture online because of... Uh, you know, what the trophy is, but here it is. Uh, I pretended like I won a golf tournament for a day yesterday. That's the uh, the Sanderson Farm Trophy right there. They, they've got a cool base, too, with, like, all the winners' names on it as well. But, yeah, that's the uh, that's the trophy right there, Sanderson Farms Championship. It is a really heavy metal rooster. Yep, and people were making jokes about, you know, you know, yeah, William, it's really heavy. Like when I picked it up, I was like, oh, like you really have to like use effort to pick that thing up. It's it's like metal. I mean, it's heavy. It's thick metal. Um, So, yeah, I, uh, I had fun with that yesterday. But I'll be out there this afternoon again with the radio show. And then tomorrow we've got picks and keys to the game for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State, who I think has a real shot to beat Texas A&M in College Station. I'll talk about that more tomorrow and why I think that. But in the meantime, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'll see you all on the radio this afternoon. And uh, if not, uh, tomorrow morning. Ever going to do an office tour? Like my home office? Not much to see here. Uh, But if you're talking about the Super Talk office, I can do that. Uh, I'll have to make sure uh, that everybody's cool with like the opportunity that their faces may be seen on camera. You know, the people behind the scenes and the sales staff and stuff like that. But um, I could do a home office tour. It's really not much. It's a I've got I've got three fish tanks. Two of them are actually in use. You see a small one here. That's a beta tank. I've got another beta tank right here. And then a 20-gallon that I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to do uh, two Garamis and a bunch of Coreys in, in that. I just I haven't done it yet. Uh, but I, yeah, I've just got like two TVs right here and a futon right here, and that's it. It's a, uh, it's a very small operation. And... Um, yeah, I'll do that one day, actually. You guys will be underwhelmed. I mean, I've got the cheapest webcam uh, that that I could find on Amazon, so that's why the picture is not great. It's sitting up on two b- wooden blocks because I, I, I didn't want to buy a stand to get it more elevated. Um, but yeah, I'll do that one day. I don't see why not. I'll do that one day. Uh, maybe Sunday. Or one Saturday night. I'll probably do it Saturday night next. Or something. But anyway... Thank you, guys. You guys are the best. I will uh, I will see you tomorrow morning, if not on the radio this afternoon. Y'all have a good one. Put it in my down on this killing floor.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.